This is 12 Questions. This week, we're interviewing Jason Tebow. Really great interview. He's got an incredible process. He works super hard. Uh, also, he is a writer, a comedian. He's got great stories, good insight. Uh, on December 1st, I'll be doing Roast Battle. So if you want to come out and watch me be arbitrarily mean to a really nice person, April Lotshaw, please, please come out and do that. And this week actually marks my like uh, one year anniversary in comedy. So I'm really excited about that. I had some some very sweet texts from some friends. But yeah, come on out, check it out. Uh, and please listen to this whole episode. Jason Tebow. He's amazing. You're gonna love this. All right, let's do it. All right, this is 12 questions. And I'm talking today with Jason Tebow. Hooray. 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 Oh my gosh, we've been trying to do this for a long time. We're both yeah, yeah, yeah. stupidly That's like busy. Typical like comic so, slash alcoholic behavior. It's exactly. like, yeah, let's do this tomorrow. And then yeah. it's three weeks later. <laughs> well, I'm glad we finally got a chance to sit down. Me too. I, Thank you for having me. I've heard your story kind of on other podcasts. And a lot of this is focusing on your process now uh-huh. and where you're at. Okay. But do you want to like share a little bit about yourself and how you got to here? Or, um, you know? Yeah, sure. I mean, I don't know what all we are looking for here, but, you know, <laughs> grew up in the Chicago area, uh, raised by lesbians. So I have two moms. And, um, you know, as far as, you know, uh, always had a bit of a problem with uh, substance abuse, but mostly alcohol. You know, I wasn't like, sure, I did every drug, uh, but I never really, I don't really identify as like an addict um, as much as I do uh, an alcoholic. You know, uh, I have friends in the program, they're like, did you were that I used to, you know, drink with and shit. Mm-hmm. And they're always like, did you were uh, like a 1950s madman drinker. You know what I mean? <laughs> like you're just a classic drunk. Okay. You know? Cigarette, cocktail, 2 p.m. around booze okay. for me, you know? Mm-hmm. Now, get six drinks in me and be like, hey, there's this guy's cocaine. I'm like, sure. Right. But I never was like, God, I want some cocaine. And I, you know, it was never looking for, you know, it was just all about booze. So for me, it was, always, you know, that's always been uh, and will always be for my entire life, my struggle. Mm-hmm. You know, if, I mean, even if I have 25 years of sobriety, which I don't, uh, it'll still be a day-to-day struggle for me, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, I had about three years um, and then went out, copped a resentment in sobriety um, within the walls of, of the places that we go. And for me, my disease jumped on that, you know, mm-hmm. like it was, it was dormant for so long. What was the resentment? Um, was in a relationship, mm. and um, we broke up in sobriety. That's so hard. She was sober, and I was sober, and uh, she was not cool about it. Mm-hmm. And you know, would like share about me when I would be in the room. Mm-hmm. You know, would flip me off at meetings and stuff. So then I got I, I got all this fear and anxiety about going to meetings because I'm like, oh man, what, I don't want to run into her. You know yeah. what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then, so instead of doing like what anybody could have done, like I could have only gone to all men's meetings. I could have found what, you know. Yeah, gone to a different side of Had like an adult town. conversation and been like, look, mm-hmm. these are the meetings I want to go to. These are, the, you know, like treat it right. like a divorce and be like, yeah. until we're cool, don't go to these meetings and I won't go to these meetings. You know, because you date somebody for a long time in sobriety, all your meetings become the same. Mm-hmm. It becomes a part of a thing you do. And your social group becomes... And it all gets mm-hmm. so intertwined mm-hmm. that 
my disease just started going, hey, man, we can't go to that meeting. You know who's going to be there? And I'd be like, you're right. Let's stay home. You know what I mean? So I just, <laughs> and that was kind of the yeah. way it kind of crept back into my life, my disease, because for years, all of its normal tricks didn't work. Yeah. You know, and, and I always say this in meetings, um, that if I, let's say I moved to France, and okay. I become fluent in French, mm-hmm. so does my disease. Oh, I love that. So it starts speaking French to me. So my disease learned recovery. Totally. Mm-hmm. So it started being able to speak. So all of a sudden it's making sense yep. again. Mm-hmm. I, I was totally, it was that cunning, baffling, powerful aspect of it is that I hadn't heard it in so long, mm-hmm. you know, that now when it was speaking recovery, I didn't think it was my disease. I thought it was me mm-hmm. having these ideas mm-hmm. of fuck it. I'm not going to that meeting today. Yeah. Damn right. Fuck that. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. And the minute I, I went through that breakup and the minute I was having these thoughts and fears and anxiety about going to being embarrassed, being judged, being shared about, being uncomfortable in the rooms, uh, once that fear crept up and I didn't do the work around it, my disease just woke up like, you know, yeah. out of a coma. Totally. It was like, ah, I got him. Yeah. Now I know how to get him. And that's exactly what happened. It took about six months for me to drink. Wow. From that time till I did. Um, and and then I was out for like 18, 19 months. Yeah. You know, a solid year. You know, I probably had six months where I was lying about it. Mm-hmm. I had about nine months where I was just out. Like, okay. didn't give a fuck, would drink in front of people, wouldn't yeah. care, like, there's nothing anybody can do. And then I had about s- six months or so where I was trying to get sober again. And I couldn't get 30 days. Jeez. I got every combination under the sun for six months. Three days, five days, nine days, two days, one day, one day, one day, 13 days, 25 days, four days, two days. I did that for six fucking months. Mm-hmm. I would go to meetings and then... Five, four times a week drink that night Oof. you know and I could get a week or two or whatever and then finally I was like I gotta get out of town man I gotta like I can't yeah, to do I gotta change different. I gotta make mm-hmm. a hard left turn mm-hmm. um, and I had an opportunity to go back and, and, and go to a recovery house kind of in my hometown and it was the dead of winter um, it was extremely cold uh, Which sounds like heaven right now. Doing, yeah, it is hot as fuck here in Hollywood. <laughs> you know, and I wasn't doing um, comedy. I wasn't doing around the same people. I wasn't around the same places. I wasn't, you know, it, it, everything was different. Uh, you know, it was freezing cold. It was, everything was dead. Mm-hmm. You know, the, it really, like, the outsides really matched my insides there. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and also kind of go back to where I was from and kind of you know on top of the sobriety aspect kind of rekindle my fire for like happiness like what do mm-hmm. I want you know and do uh, I even want to be happy at this point what's that do I even want to be happy at this point oh yeah I mean you know at mm-hmm. that point in time I, I was so dead inside mm-hmm. and um, I did like 30 I did like a 90 day thing there and um, 
you know, had group uh, therapy and had an individual. I saw an individual therapist specialized in in addiction Mm -hmm. twice a week. Um, And I went to a morning meeting and an evening meeting for 90 days and then another an additional two months that's a really stripped down version of the way treatment works out here but i like it because it's just what you need it's meetings and it was nobody and a therapist it was nobody um no equine therapy no there was (laughs) acupuncture i didn't know know anybody in recovery Mm. i didn't have that shame i didn't i could really be rigorously honest because i wasn't because i had so much shame about you know, so many people here were rooting for me, and I just couldn't do it. I couldn't get traction. Yeah. So I wasn't even really being honest in meetings here. Right. I would show up, but I wouldn't share. If I relapsed, I wouldn't raise my hand and be like, hey, this is my second day, or I drank right. last night, or whatever. I, was, I, I, did, I lost the ability to be honest. So when I went back there, and, you know, it's very different there than it is in Hollywood. It's not as, as pretty. I like that though. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's a lot of like blue collar, like mm-hmm. fucking, you know, people that are painters and construction yep. people and like real middle America shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had no problem being honest, you know? Right. And, and that really was the, in hindsight, where I was like, fuck man, that, I didn't even know that's what I needed. Yeah. I just wanted to get the fuck out of LA. Mm-hmm. And get away from all my all my triggers, you know. I I do it. It's six <laughs> years. I went through a breakup, and I got so close to being to getting loaded. I got so close to to relapse that I would be in meetings and just I would I would grind my nails into the palms of my hands. Mm-hmm. I was so angry. I was angry at the fellowship. I was angry at my friend group. I was mm-hmm. I was in. Sounds like in your story, I was both parties. I was the angry ex-girlfriends and the person who also felt like my meeting space had been intruded mm-hmm. on it. We tried to have the adult conversation and I ended up moving to Long Beach in the middle of all that and it's dock workers, roughnecks, uh, just people who live their lives. They don't want it. They're in LA County but they don't want to live in LA. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And uh, they don't want to be actors. They right. don't want to be musicians. Yeah, yeah. They just want to go to meetings and like maybe and a baseball game every once life. in a while yeah, yeah, and yeah. have a life, you know, yeah, raise and their and kids and have a house. The simplicity of that that, I, that mm-hmm. I really loved. And, you know, I, I think it's important for me to, backtracking a little bit, I don't want it to come across like I'm like, wow, I blame this person for you my relapse. You weren't a victim. No. Absolutely yeah. not. I mean, mm-hmm. it was me that drank. And most totally. importantly, it was me that didn't do the work. Right. Around exactly. Life happens. Life happens when you're mm-hmm. sober. Life happens when you're not. But you have to go to meetings. You, you have know, to work the steps. You have you, to do and, everything. And, you know, you mm-hmm. have to be honest. And and, and mm-hmm. there were so many different things that I could have done regarding that, you know, breakup in that situation. You know, breakups happen. Yep. You know, and I don't, I, I, have, I have zero blame on that. I mean, now, did she handle it well? No. Um, you know, she has a part in not being... Um, Adult-like, mm-hmm. but it you know she didn't make me relapse. No, it was no, not no. her I fault. It's one hundred percent me, and there's so yeah. many things that I could have and should have done mm-hmm. the work around that. Um, but that's a lesson that I learned, you know. And I'm lucky mm-hmm. to to Be have learned it and not 
yeah. and my life didn't get super shitty it just yeah. got pretty fucking shitty yeah you know you knew enough to know you know what I don't want to continue this something's got to change yeah and there's that thing when you're out like that and you're just like the pride I'm gonna flamethrow everything yeah. and then I'll get sober again interesting you know there was always that in my head like I'm like I'm either gonna die or I'm gonna get sober again that's amazing or I'll just completely quit and give up on everything that I want and care about mm-hmm. and just leave you know that, that those were my three options mm-hmm. I'm just gonna fucking move back home become a substitute teacher and fuck everything yeah I'm gonna die yeah mm-hmm. or I'm gonna eventually get sober again totally you know Totally. I uh, that kind of leads me to every conversation that we've had. W- the my impression of you, especially if we're talking about program, is the word surrender. Mm. Like what's and I can kind of tell as we've been talking, like your process of coming to surrender. Mm-hmm. Like how do you experience that on a daily basis? Um, on a daily basis, or you know, it's a lot of times. Like I, I think I do have to do that every day. I do have to like remind myself. Um, that I'm one I'm an alcoholic and two like I have a choice every day mm-hmm. you know do I want to fucking man up and left foot right foot left foot right foot or do I want to say fuck it mm-hmm. which are the two most dangerous words when I hear those whether I'm sober or whether I'm out yeah. that's when I'm most dangerous is when I hear those words and you know a lot of times just surrendering to me is just simply like first couple steps it's just like, man, I'm an alcoholic, period. Yeah, a lot of times that's just surrendering. Right. You know, and it's so funny because like, cause like it's such an intimidating word because it sounds like you're giving up all of your whatever your core it belief system or whatever. It doesn't feel like that, though. It feels like freedom and like for most, me. Yeah, for, for sure. And like most alcoholics will come in and when they're new and they'll be like, you know, they'll say how they have a hard time surrendering. It's like, no, you don't. alcoholics are awesome at surrendering I had no problem surrendering my driver's license I surrendered my apartment I surrendered my car Uh I surrendered my happiness I surrendered my relationships I surrendered Mm -hmm. my girlfriends Mm -hmm. I'm great at surrendering in hindsight right you know what I mean I just always surrendered to the wrong thing yeah you know I surrendered to my disease for two decades that's wild daily yeah you know what I mean so it's, it's again it's like you know two sides of a coin it's like whatever I feed gets strength you know and I can uh, feed my disease or I can feed my recovery I love that but I always will have those two voices in my head mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. I always hear we we, sh- we shouldn't go to a meeting today man we went to three yesterday yeah only alcoholics hear we <laughs> you know and I'm like well then who the fuck are we well, then it's me and my disease, and they're the ones that are having a conversation. So a lot of times when I hear it, I'll just be like, ah, I see what you're trying to do. Yeah. I better go to a meeting. Shut up, butthole. You know what <laughs> We're I mean? going. So it's like, <laughs> and a lot of times, it's like I can use that as a gauge mm-hmm. of what to do. Mm-hmm. My disease gives me an idea. If I do the opposite of that, I'm generally in a good spot. Yeah. And that's why it's dangerous when you get a lot of time because your disease goes dormant it fakes its own death yeah and you don't hear it for a long time Mm -hmm. and then when you hear it it has a new impression yeah yeah no it says it says different stuff it says uh you know what why don't you have candy for dinner and uh that guy why don't you hit on him he's a bad idea or 
you know, why don't you spend all your money? Just spend it all. Yep. You'll, you'll find a way to make rent. Yeah, and it's different <laughs> ways to uh, make me uncomfortable and put me in fear mm-hmm. and make me feel less than, yep. that I don't belong, that I don't fit in, mm-hmm. that I'm not good enough, yeah. that I don't deserve love. Mm-hmm. These are all things that I hear hourly, Aww. you know, as an alcoholic. Yeah. Um, but doesn't mean I have to believe them. It doesn't even mean that that thought generates within me or my soul. Yeah. It's just the shitty part of this disease that wants me to feel those things. Because when I feel those things, I drink. Mm-hmm. So it just tries a million different ways to make me feel those things. Yeah. And when I go to meetings and I work a program, I learn all these tools to not feel that way. Yeah. And that's why my disease hates meetings. Mm-hmm. And every day gives me a reason why I shouldn't go to one. It's too hot out. It might rain. It might rain. It might. <laughs> That's one I hear. It might rain. It might rain. It, but you know what? And I always say this too. It's like a hurricane going on right now. Mm-hmm. And my buddy is bartending in Malibu. And he's like, hey, if you can get over here, free drinks all night. And I don't have a car. Bet your ass I'm mm-hmm. going to find a way to get to Malibu. Priority right. one. Mm-hmm. With no shoes over glass. <laughs> and I have to treat recovery the same way. Mm-hmm. With that same sense of urgency. Yeah. And it's just daily, man. It's, you know, and, and another thing that I love about, uh, uh, that I always hear, which I believe in, it's like, one day at a time isn't that hard. No. It's actually a lot easier. Mm-hmm. And that's how I've always operated. That's how yeah. my disease operates. You know, it's so funny that my disease will tell me, you can't stay sober forever. Well, I'm not worried about that. I'm just worried about fucking Tuesday. Right. Because my disease, you know, on, on October 13th, I was never like, how am I going to get drunk on New Year's? I might, I might be broke on New Year's. How am I going to get drunk? Right. Never. I never once ever had that thought because mm-hmm. I was just worried about getting drunk today. Right. I'll figure it out. On Wednesday, I'll figure it out. Mm-hmm. But today, I'm concerned with getting hammered on Tuesday. And I have $17. And how am I going to get $90 drunk with 17 bucks? Hmm. You know? Yeah. And then Wednesday comes and there, my disease is like, cool, it's Wednesday. How are we going to get drunk today? That's interesting. You like know? We're always looking for that thing that just keeps us in the moment, whether it's using or So my disease that operates one day at a time only, mm-hmm. only, is the same thing that tells me I can't stay sober one day at a time. That's awesome. You know? Yeah. It's like, it's such a lie. It's like, yeah. what do you mean? That's exactly how I've always done things. Yeah. <laughs> this isn't new. You Shut know, up. This is exactly <laughs> what I do. So it's like, you know, I really just, for me, it's so important for me to listen to what it's telling me. Yeah. Because generally, the complete opposite of that is what I, what I should do. You mm. know? And in a lot of ways, like, surrendering for me is like, even listening for what my disease is telling me. Yeah. It's a weird, what's up, brother? It's a weird... <laughs> ah, ah, you're, fine, you. you're fine, you're fine, you're <laughs> fine. Um, you know, so a lot of times that's reminding myself every day that I'm an alcoholic. Yeah. Is is you know super fucking important. Hi, sweetie. Uh, we're sitting outside of a meeting, so well, people are filing in. It's it's adorable. Yeah, I like yeah. it. It's just, just, I hope people get the experience of this is what shooting the shit outside of a meeting is like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, that's exactly. exactly what we're doing. Uh, what's been your most insane moment in and out of recovery? Oh boy, um, 
Be more specific. I mean, I've seen crazy things happen. What was a moment where you're like, something that really prompted, because in that second step, you know, it's, it's basically, you know, we need a restoration to sanity, which requires that we acknowledge that things have been insane. So oh, what was for sure. that moment where you're like, this shit needs to change. Oh, God. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, I remember one time uh, I was supposed to stay at a buddy's house and he had locked me out on accident. On accident. Okay. Locked me out. And um, uh, so I went around. And he had like a little side like patio kind of thing. And at, at this place where they have, where they have like a hammock and a bunch of little like, you know, ping pong table. And, and, uh, there was a bunch of beer, just godsend. I was already hammered. Awesome. A bunch of beer. And I'm like, cool. I'm going to have a beer or two. And I think I had 12 already drunk, had okay. 12 and I would have two beers, throw up. Okay. Have two more beers, throw up. Two more beers, and I did that until the fucking sun came up. You didn't black out? Uh, not too much. I don't, not really. I mean, I was just insanely drunk. Oof. Just out of yeah, my I mind. Know. Like, <laughs> you know, it's like more so like the cup runneth over because my body literally was like, we cannot take another ounce of booze. And I would throw up, and then I would Let's have 24 more ounces. Wow. And then I would throw up again. And then I slept in his car. Because uh, I couldn't get into his place. And then when I got up, when the sun came up, like, I remember his neighbor, like, yelling at me or something. And I was hammered. And it's like nine in the morning. Ooh. You know? And then stumbled back to wherever the fuck I was going or whatever. Wow. And that was just normal. Hmm. In my head, that was, that was just like, whatever. Mm-hmm. You know? Like, that's what I'm, that's what I fucking do. That's how I roll. Uh. It's like straight up normal shit. My body hurts for you. But like in I'm hindsight, when you look at that, like with any amount of recovery or time under your belt, where you're like, yeah, I had and have a fucking drinking problem. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Because in my head, that was just like, it, normal people would have gone to bed hours before that. Normal people wouldn't have kept drinking, let alone throw up and keep drinking four or five times. Right. You know? Yeah. Your body's like, hey, we're poisoned. We're dying. Can we not Literally do this? poisoning. <laughs> mm-hmm. Literally poisoning mm-hmm. myself. Yeah. And I would just be like, we're good. Yeah. I drank that way from go. I don't understand any other way. You know oh, what yeah, I mean? I don't, I don't get the madman cocktail. I don't, I've I don't, never understood it. I don't get the one drink. Uh-huh. I don't get the fucking half a glass of fucking wine. I don't mm-hmm. get any of that shit. Yeah. It's so mm-hmm. weird. Yeah, I bet you said it's all the guys. I bet you said that to all the guys. <laughs> uh, when did you really choose to commit to this thing? Because you, you're a hundred. You're both feet in. What was was it at the treatment? I've done center? it multiple times. Okay. I mean, I I, I think I would be a, a, a false thing for me to say, like, you know, this time when I was at the recovery house, uh, you know, I fully committed. I mean, I was. Several times I've committed to this. You know, I had a year. I don't think my first year, the first time I got sober, I was 100% committed. I think that time I was, I got sober for other people mm-hmm. telling me I needed to get sober. 
Uh, the second time I got sober, I was extremely, extremely committed. Mm-hmm. You know, I just got a lot of the promises and I started to go like, man, cool. I have now beat sobriety. Um, I'm awesome. Uh, my ego got really involved in being sober. Mm. You know, I, I wanted to be the king of AA. I wanted to be the best share, have the best shares. I wanted to be the speaker that mm-hmm. made people fucking come up and say I changed their life. I wanted to be the badass sobriety guy. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and my ego got attached. And then when I found myself in pain, I didn't, you didn't know what to do. Want to use the tools that I needed that I've that got me everything. You know, so I put, you know, all these things ahead of my program. My program went from number one to number five, Mm. you know, and, um, you know, a buddy of mine, uh, uh, I won't say his name, but he always says the coolest thing where he's like, you know, recovery is so good when it works that it gives you a life that's so great. You forget that it's the recovery that gave it to you. Uh And that's exactly what I was guilty of, you know. Um, so I think I was very committed, you know, that time. This time, uh, I don't know if there really was some sort of like light on me moment. It was this time was just strictly out of necessity. Like I just got sick of being sick. Yeah. I got sick of the way people looked at me. Oh. Uh, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I got sick of the way I would walk up to people at the comedy store or the improv or you know different places and they would look at me and then say hi to me and then they would look in my hand and see what I was drinking and then they would look at me different mm. it would just ha- everybody just had this look of like ah god damn this it fucking guy yeah you know it's, it's a little bit of heartbreak yeah sure I, yeah. I get that I get that yeah. you know and believe me the pain that these people are in uh, is severely trumped by the pain that I was in right you know I wasn't you know it You know, I think that like my commitment to this could have even oddly happened when I was drinking at times. Yeah. Because it wasn't fun anymore. Mm-hmm. I I didn't have fun anymore. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I hated it. This is not yeah. You know, I'd find like why? Why am I doing this again? Mm-hmm. You know, but I didn't have a choice. Yeah. I really didn't. Yeah. You know, at that point in time. You know, I think I needed to push myself to that point of like so much pain that I that you know it's the touchstone for change. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and I wasn't in enough of it. You know, yeah. I kind of had to burn it all down. Yeah, I wish I was that kind of person who would be motivated entirely by the best intentions. You know, like I just want to be a better me. That's what I want yeah, to do. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's well, not that's it. Tough to do, it's yeah, I have to run into a wall over and over and over again and go. Uh, maybe over and over and <laughs> over. Maybe try something different. You know, even so. the people that that like get in and it's like this is my first time I've ever been sober. I've eleven years. I've never relapsed. And I'm like, good God, I good for you. What have you uh, learned about yourself along the way that you were surprised about? Um, it can be good or bad. Sure, 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 sure. How sensitive I am. I don't mean that in like mm-hmm. a cutesy way, mm-hmm. but how like emotionally delicate I really am. Because for I, cause I hid so much. 
you know yeah. I mean as a you know I, I do stand up comedy you know that's always been a, a, a wall you know I was mm-hmm. a funny kid um, mm-hmm. you know that was always a defense mechanism to not be real right. to not be judged right. uh, and not to put myself out there um, uh, and um, you know how you know emotionally delicate I am you know how afraid I am fear how much fear I have you know can you take away you know all my defenses that's such an annoying motorcycle I know it's uh, that's amazing God, it just annoys the fuck out of me um, you know I think that really like that like like oh cool I have to really protect my emotions like mm. you know I have to be like you know hey every time you're around this person they say something that fucking hurts your feelings Okay, cool. I'm either not going to go around that person, right. or if I Have am, I'm going to be prepared for them saying something shitty or being a you know jerk or mean or whatever. Have you tried the like vulnerability move where you're just like, hey, when you talk to me like that, I don't like the way I feel. Um, only with certain people. Like I can do that with my sister, which I never did. I didn't used to. I mean, yeah. it's not like. That's oh I've always done that with her. No, it's new. Mm-hmm. There are certain people that I feel safe that I can be like, hey, look. And you know what? A lot of them are people that are also in recovery. Yeah. A lot of them are people that are like, hey, man, listen. When you said that to me the other day, it just upset me, and I just want to say that so it doesn't fucking fester. Yeah. And I'm not fishing for an apology here. I just want to let you know, like, when you say these things, it makes me feel this way. Yeah. And people in recovery can have that conversation. Uh, there's a lot of fear that I have about saying that to other people or normal people like dude fuck you you're being a pussy that, I'm like ah you're right and, you know, and then the, it compounds the problem maybe the male experience with that is different I definitely I, I know for myself I turned uh, just a few years ago I became I, I read Brene Brown's book she does the power of vulnerability and uh-huh. all that and daring greatly and and I got really into like I'm just gonna be the emotional person that I am embrace it Right, and I'm going to do it all the time. So I'm going to try to show people love and empathy all the time. But the flip side of that is sometimes I have to be like, "Ouch," right? You know? And uh, it really weirds people out. It's a real interesting thing to do socially. Yeah, because people don't do it. <laughs> they don't. Do Nobody it. does it. Everybody <laughs> just swallows their pain. Yeah, and their anger and their resentment and whatever. Normal people just go like, "All right, I'm going to walk through that." Yeah, or they're fucking resentful as fuck. Right for, for like years and years and years. Yeah, it's it's interesting. It's afforded me some access to some like typically very prickly people. I've been pissed at people for so <laughs> long that I just don't even remember why I'm mad at them anymore. There's certain people. <laughs> I just don't fucking like your well, face. I'll be, like, I'll be talking to people. I'm like, that guy's a fucking asshole. But and why? then someone will be like, why? I'm like, I don't even really remember. But I just, I trust me. Interesting. You know, I mean that that's anything but healthy. <laughs> You kind of mentioned this before, um, how it's, you're a comic, you're able to go on stage or go on a podcast and be the persona you out there. You know, this is who you are. This is what you're, which has to be you or it's not going to be received well. Sure. You you can, but you have this sort of like, this is me performing. Right. right. And then you mentioned to me and you kind of touched on it in the last question about sharing in a meeting being so difficult oh, or yeah, being yeah, yeah, your yeah, authentic yeah. self like in a meeting uh-huh. or being amongst your friends like how how do you feel and it's kind of a, a fifth steppy kind of question 
like how do you feel with that vulnerability how do you feel you've grown or um or where do you feel like you need to grow with that Uh, sorry that was a really long question no I just think something like that you know it's just like you know doing stand up I've done stand up for so long that it's I don't want to say it's easy but it's just there's not a lot of fear involved in it Mm -hmm. you know any of my fear involved in stand up has nothing to do with the performance side of it as much as it does like the making money the having a career the paying bills the all that shit of it is where the fear is in comedy like can this keep me alive Um, you know that's so it's just you know when it comes to that it's just I think um, you know I think my I don't know I really wouldn't even call it anxiety about speaking at meetings but my you know I, my concerns are more like hey am I going to be totally honest am I going to try to say something that's going to help versus say something that's going to try to get people to like me or or impress people you know like I want the purpose of that to be the intention of that Mm -hmm. which is hey you know you experience your strength your hope what it was like what happened what it's like now Mm -hmm. and just keep it rooted in solution versus and I think that's where that comes from being a performer is naturally speaking in front of 55 people you want to go all right, I got to get them on my side. I got to get them to like mm-hmm. me. I got, you know, so it's really turning that off mm-hmm. and turning on what it's about. Yeah. Which the is, ugly part. which is solution, you know? Yeah. yeah. You know, and you know, you can, it doesn't mean you can't say something funny. It doesn't mean you can't tell a funny joke to get people on your side when you're yeah. doing that. But it means it can't be all that. Yeah, there you know, has and to in be. this town you get a lot of that where it's in LA because everybody's a lot of people are got a lot of convention a lot speakers of, you know, here. There's two thousand meetings a week here. There's a lot of there's a lot of uh, meetings. There's a lot of sober people. It's a big town, but the industry of this town is show business. So you get a lot of sober people that are in show business, and you know I've seen a lot of people speak where it's just like, you know, it looks like a one man show a Broadway yeah. one-man performance or one-woman show or whatever. Right. Where I'm, I'm like, you know, that was great, but... But where's where's the humanity but I don't, in that? I, I didn't get any solution. Yeah. I just got that you're awesome now that you're sober. <laughs> you yeah. know, a lot of them come across as like Academy Award speeches. Mm-hmm. And that's what I don't want. My my whole thing, like I, I like a speaker who... Um, who shares that they've had time and they've felt done or experienced ugly things and struggled and stayed sober. Yeah. That, that to me is like, even when I was brand new, it was like that I needed to know that I didn't have to be perfect. Right. And, um, that's, that's the, the real shit. Like, I don't know. I've, I've shared at the podium how I, my sponsor chased me into therapy because I had to call her because I was like, I'm going to put hands on my boyfriend. I'm so angry at him all the time. Yeah. I want to beat the shit out of him. And I pushed him into a wall. And she said, well, either take care of this or never call me again. And I was like, okay, okay. <laughs> right. You know? And, um, and so that those moments of like, okay, now am I going to share this with people? Like, am I going to tell people that I'm, you know, when the chips are down, I, I think about violence like is that oh okay yeah I'm gonna do that and what happened was is a bunch of women women came up to me and they were like 
done the exact same thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, and that was like, oh, okay, I'm not weird. And I've never had that impulse since. And I think, I, yeah, that's, that's a great point, too, because I, I really feel like a lot of... You know what? You know normies, people that aren't alcoholics, people that aren't addicts, just normal, regular people. You know, whatever everybody has terms for them. But I think a lot of them have this like misnomer about being sober, where it's like, oh, well, now you're this spiritual person <laughs> who does the right thing every time. And hit. no, what mm-hmm. it is is I don't drink on Tuesday. Yeah. And when it's Wednesday, I'm gonna do the same thing. Yeah. You know, and that allows me to go through life. And deal with shit the exact same way you do, normal yeah. person. And sometimes <laughs> I might blow up at somebody. Uh-huh. And sometimes I might, you know, cheat on a girlfriend or I might lie on my taxes or I might, yeah. you know, get a speeding ticket or I yeah. might go off on somebody or I might do something that's fucked up. But I now have tools that when I yeah. do these things, help me not drink. And the flip side of that, now I have access to empathy, so I feel real bad about those yes. things. Yes. I have to use those tools. And, and, and it also <laughs> means that I'm learning how to deal with mm-hmm. my feelings and emotions. Yeah. Which I never, ever, ever do, want to do, have ever done, and have ever been good at. Yep. So now that I'm learning how to do that at, you know, eight months and in, in 12, 13 days. Yay. Um, have a little patience with yourself you know what I mean like yeah. be patient with you know and just understand like hey man it it's progress not perfection you, you know it's one of the things you get sick of hearing but it it's so true it. we're not saints yeah. it says it over and over again yeah I mean, you, that's why you hear that at every, every time every time you go to a meeting it's like grant be kind to myself mm. you know one of the coolest uh, uh, you know because you always hear all these little like tricks people will tell you like little I mean tools or whatever you want to fucking call them but one of my favorites is um, I, my two, two sponsors ago told me he's like your head or disease or whatever you want to call it is like a sh- you know like a, 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 a shitty friend you know and like if any one of my friends were to call me mm-hmm. one of my good friends were to call me and be like look man I'm a fucking piece of shit nobody loves me nothing's ever going to work out for me like I, I just fucking hate myself man and I, I, I just fucking I can't I don't know what I'm gonna if any of your friends were to call you on the phone and say that to you what would you say to them yeah when your head starts saying that shit to you have that exact same response yeah be like hang on man no 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 man no, hey, you're, you're, you're a you're, nice guy and yeah. you're, you're trying give okay. yourself some fucking credit here you yeah. know and I really literally do that every, I have to do that every day mm-hmm. because every day I hear all these horrible, horrible things in my head and I just always accepted it yep. forever. That's just what I thought about myself and I never believed. And so many people would be, you know, you're such a nice guy, man, or you're so talented or you have this and, and I would, it would go right through me mm-hmm. like a fucking windsock. Almost hurts a and little I'd bit And I'd be like, too. you just don't know me. <laughs> Yeah. You just don't mm-hmm. know me well enough. Like, if you really knew me, you wouldn't think that. You just kind of know me. Yeah. You know? And it really was the way I thought. Yeah. And it really is retraining myself to be kind to me. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I've never been emotionally kind to myself. Yeah. 
and, and and that really is a super super helper yeah is being able to like hear those thoughts and instead of going yep yep I fucking that's that's right you nothing's right. ever gonna work out for me because I'm a fucking idiot and I fuck everything up and everything I touch turns to shit and every relationship I have turns to shit and, and then it, then and to be able to just instead of going accepting that mm-hmm because I hear it in my head so it must be true. Knowing that I have this disease and that that's where it stems because when I hear those things, I want to drink. Right. And all that is is a tool of my disease Mm -hmm. because it'll repeat those things on a loop and eventually I'll drink. Right. So what happens is, is you get good at being kind to yourself you get good at talking yourself out of a tree when that happens, so your disease doesn't do that anymore. And it starts to look for different ways to get you. Right. You know? Mm-hmm. So it's constantly, list for me, listening for my disease to go, what's your new, what else, what else you got? Yeah, what do you, what you got for me today, you jerk? <laughs> exactly, exactly, exactly. The, um, we, we touched on this last night how do you experience fear and anxiety and how do you deal with it? That story is so beautiful. Dealing with it. Uh, I don't deal with it well now at all. Not in not in the least bit, you know, only recently have I been having anxiety and, and I can't figure out the origin of it. You know, I was, uh, I was going to a wedding the other night that I wound up not going to mm-hmm. um, because I had somewhat of a panic attack about being late. I was going to be late because I was working. God damn it. That's one we all and, go through. And, and then I got this like anxiety about walking in late and, and being judged and, and people talking about. I don't know why. I don't know where it came from. And, um, and I went to a, 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 like a, a, a party recently a few months ago. And a bunch of my friends were going to go. And a bunch of the ones that were going to go were all my sober friends. Um, most of them not in recovery. They're just people I like to hang out with that, that don't drink. And by a weird twist of fate, all four of them wound up not going. But I was on the way there when they notified me. Like, hey, I don't think I'm going to make it tonight. So mm-hmm. now it's me at a party with a bunch of people that were drinking. And it was the kind of party where I would have been there. I'd probably still be there today. I would have been there till every drop of booze was gone. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Free booze out the wazoo, yeah. free food. It was fun. It was, at, you know, it, it checked everything on my list. Bunch of girls, everything. And, um, and then on the way there, I had this panic attack and I literally stood outside of this thing for 25 minutes. And I talked to my sister for a long time. It was one of my, one of my rocks. And I talked to my sponsor for a while. And uh, and then I went and it was okay. It wasn't the, I didn't have the greatest time, but I got through it. Good for you. You know, but but there's always this. Um, it's kind of a new thing for me is, is walking through fear. Yeah. You know, and um, it, I've never been good at it. And every time I do it, I feel good. Um, but it's it's of extremely new practice for me, yeah. like dealing with anxiety. And, and, and I really am, that's another thing that, you know, it kind of touches on a, on an earlier question, but that really is something that is new. Mm. You know, something I've discovered about myself is that, um, I have anxiety. Yeah. Be, and you know how I never knew that 
because the second that would even remotely pop up, I would drink. Right. You know, mm-hmm. I would get this anxiety about whatever. What would you do about it when you were sober before? I never you- really had it. Interesting. I never really had it. Um, hmm. And I think it's because I wasn't as alone. You know, I had a sober girlfriend. We lived together. Did you guys get together early on? Uh, she had like f- five, six more years than I did. That was my experience too. You know, she had yeah. a lot mm-hmm. of time. Yeah. So another mistake that I made there was, you know, I got in a relationship early in sobriety. Mm-hmm. And she was damn near my co-sponsor and yeah. damn near my higher power. Yep. Because if she was like, yeah, you should do that. Then I knew it was okay and the right thing to do. Yep. You know, I, I would run shit thing. by my sponsor. I'd run shit by her. Mm-hmm. If she was upset about something, I knew I was doing something that was probably not you know, good in the realm of recovery. Yeah. You know, and in yeah. hindsight, she was so wrong about so many things, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. and, or maybe um, even not wrong, just not right for you. You no, know, definitely a hundred percent wrong. <laughs> I'm positive of that. I am a hundred percent positive of that, <laughs> you know, but so, and I think, I really do think that that's, you know, this time around, it, it really is just me. It's just you. You know, I mean, I have a sponsor. Um, and technically, I have two because I still talk to my, my sponsor that I had uh, when I was back in, at, at the recovery house. Um, I still talk to him. Um, you know, sometimes I'll you know, I call him. You know, we probably talk once a week, mm-hmm. you know, three, three times a month. That's awesome. Um, touch base. So in a weird way, I have two sponsors, um, which is kind of cool because... You know, my sponsor here knows me here. My sponsor there knows me there. And I can call both of them over an issue. And if they both say the same thing, then I know, okay, well, mm-hmm. that must be right. Because two guys that are, you mm-hmm. know, that I work with and that I like what they want, what they have kind of a thing, um, um, say the same thing. So this time, I think a lot of it has, that anxiety has to do with, um, and I'm really discovering this now as we speak, is the fact that it, that this is really my first run at sobriety. No training wheels by myself. Mm-hmm. Where I'm really just doing it. Good for you, man. You know, yeah, I do, I do. I remember sharing. It it occurred to me. I had to see. I I had to save my ass and not my face. And I started sharing. I've at six years. I have never lived the steps. I've written. I've talked to sponsors. But I've had a person be my higher power. I've had a relationship be my new drug of choice. And I've never actually experienced living the steps. Sure. And I feel like I'm on fire all the time. Yeah. <laughs> right. And um, so I totally get that. I totally get that. Yeah. And it's like, you know, a lot of it's like not being a fucking victim, too. It's yeah. Like, mm-hmm. You know, because I'm so good at that. I chose that for me. Well, I absolutely. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and it was a very comfortable, mm-hmm. you know, it's like a jacket that just you've worn it so long. It fits you perfectly. Mm-hmm. You know, it's so easy for me to sit there and be like, well, this is just the way things are because yeah. everything sucks for me. And, yeah. you know, I don't deserve love. And this is stupid. And I'm a fucking idiot. I fuck everything up, you know. And not be in any realm whatsoever of solution. Right. The lady the other night who asked you to breathe. Oh, yeah. That was so beautiful. Oh, I really fell in love with her. God damn it. Damn her. <laughs> All the good ones are taken. Always, always, always. And, and Swedish and only in America for three days. <laughs> what sucked about that is like, I talked to her for like two and a half hours before she told me she had a boyfriend. And I was like, of course you do. 
But maybe that conversation was supposed to happen. Maybe you were supposed to connect oh, emotionally, for sure. yeah, intimately with her for just two hours. Absolutely. I totally, I, I actually do genuinely believe that. And, you know, it, it, that also gave me a lot of hope because you're like, oh, wow, there are a lot of, like, really cool, sweet, mm-hmm. you know, girls out there that aren't complete cunts. <laughs> uh, they just all happen to live in Sweden. No, 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 no. There, there's some wandering around LA. They're just, per, you know, for sure, hiding. for sure, for sure. You'll have to, you know, shake the palm trees. But yeah, she out. literally. I was sitting there talking to her, and I was texting somebody while we were talking, and then she was like, "Wonder, breathe." I don't even breathe. I'm sitting here breathing. I'd be passed out on the floor if I wasn't breathing. She's like, "No, no, like breathe." Yeah. You know, and like put her hand on my chest. And then I was like, started breathing really deep. And I was like, holy shit, you're right. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. She's like, yeah, see, there you are. Mm-hmm. And I was like, cool. That was so cool. Yeah. Then, I mean, literally nothing even remotely, you know, intimate happened with us. But then, like, when we said goodbye to each other, you know, she was going to San Francisco. I told her a bunch of cool places to go there. And then they were going to, I think, Miami. Then they were going back. She was with a friend. Her friend was sweet, too. And then when we hugged, we just like literally a long hug, mm-hmm. you know, Your and I was like, wow, touched. that was a cool, like two hour, like little thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's almost yeah. like a weird, like romantic comedy where nothing ever happens. Cut to like nine years later and I got her so knocked up. <laughs> so knocked up. <laughs> no, I really do wish her the best. Sounds like her boyfriend's like a cool guy. And they've been together for like 10 years. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, of course. Of course yeah. somebody's been with you for 10 years. Not letting that go. You find that guy, I'm going to murder him. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that gives you a guidepost. Like, maybe she's the blueprint for what you should look oh, for. Oh, sure, of course. You know, and you find those, and you're like, oh, cool, man. I hope there's more people like you. She's yeah. like, yeah, they're everywhere. They're just not in Los Angeles. Like, oh, you're probably right. Or actually, I, she said Hollywood. She didn't say Los Angeles. I don't know. I think... There's got to be, I've had a tough transition moving back up here and there are days where I've called my sponsor and been like, this is a nightmare place full of nightmare people. And then I have moments like where we're talking right here and I'm like, yeah. oh, I, I also have the opportunity to connect with a whole different group of people. It's all it's perspective beautiful. too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's all what you look yeah. for too. Yeah. You know, so. it's like all choices that we make. These are all choices that I make. Yeah. We're choosing you know, right I'm now. forced to do anything. Yeah, you know, I choose to surround myself with shitty people if that's what is happening. Mm-hmm. At any point in time, I can. You can always seek what you want. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's just like you get so sick of like, I don't know. For me, I just got really sick of sitting in a bar alone because no one would drink with me anymore. You know, it yeah. got to that point. Like mm-hmm. nobody wanted to drink with me anymore because they just scary. felt guilty. Ooh. Ooh, you know, like they were throwing water in a sinking canoe. You know what I mean? It wasn't fun to drink with me. So I would just drink alone and I would sit in a bar and I would drink alone and I would just wish. Make wishes about how I wanted my life to be. What would those wishes be? Not drinking, have love in my life, have like, some of it would be material. Uh, you know, um, serenity, being helpful to other people. Having yeah. people look at me as, in a way, in the opposite way in which they were. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. I just, I couldn't even look my good friends in the face. 
Mm-hmm. You know, I couldn't look my sister in the face. Mm. I got really sick of that. Yeah. You know, like I wanted, I wanted my self-esteem back. I didn't want my ego back. I wanted my self-esteem back. Yeah. You know, I didn't want to be proud um, in a boastful way, but I wanted pride back in my life. Right. You know, and then I wanted to be able to use that to help other people get out of it too. That's beautiful. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and like, that's how this works to me. That's how this works to me. So even you know, in for that every person, it's like, I only, I don't like when people say the word only at meetings. I hate like, I only have three days. It's like, fuck dude, yeah. three days. Those are the hardest ones to get. Yeah. Cause they're the easiest ones to throw away. Yeah. It's hard as fuck to throw away three years of sobriety. Yeah. It took me seven months to touch a drink. Six months. It took me six months from the time I quit really focusing on my program mm-hmm. to pick up a drink. It took six months. Mm-hmm. You know how easy it is to throw away 48 hours of sobriety? Yeah. It's a piece of fucking cake. Right. My disease goes, you only got two days. We can start over tomorrow. And by Thursday, we'll have two days again. Right. Let's go get fucked up. I'm in a lot of pain. Right. I'm really sad. And I don't think anybody loves me anymore. Mm. I mean, let's fucking do it then. You are fucking right, disease. Fuck it. Right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Those thoughts drive me to drink when mm-hmm. I have no time at all. It's a piece of cake. Right. But through my meticulous and repetitive relapsing, I know what it leads to. I know that that's just bullshit that pops up in my head. Mm-hmm. And I know if I start, I don't fucking stop. Okay. Hi, Greggy. So you explored all the options. Uh, uh, some of them over and over and over to, to the point of insanity. Right. You know, mm-hmm. like I've been like, man, why? Why am I doing this? Yeah. Glug, 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 glug. <laughs> I'm doing it because I'm in pain. I'm doing it because I'm scared. I'm doing it because there's only two solutions for me drinking and recovery it's not even not drinking if I just don't drink I'm going to drink okay you know what I mean yeah you gotta move uphill or you'll slide back down it's like I'm either Mm -hmm. like working on recovery daily to not drink that day or if I'm just white knuckling sobriety I'll get five days maybe nine ten days then I'm gonna get I'll drink yeah the pain is just too much I have no tools to combat the loneliness, the fear, the uh, the pain, just the pain. Yeah. You know, the yeah. fear and the, and, the, and the pain without tools and without having the, the ability to go to places that have um, anywhere from 10 to 200 other people that are experiencing what I experience every day in a room for one hour talking about it so I don't feel alone Mm -hmm. and I know that there's other people out there like me and I know that there's a way to not feel like this yeah to speak in a general way those places uh, save people like me's lives yeah because I'll drink until I die yeah and in the you know and I might not die from drinking but indirectly I will yeah. You know, because I'll eventually just kill myself. Yeah. And that's, that's what my disease wants me to do. 
Mm-hmm. It's not like this isn't a disease that you can live with if it's untreated. Yeah. It will eventually kill you. Yeah. Unless you're lucky enough to go to jail. Right. A lot of times the ones that go to jail and then they can't drink in jail so they wind up, you know, I, I, I a guy that I was, you know, with um, that I respected very much in recovery, um, he had 11 years uh, when I was back at this recovery house. He had 11 years and he was on the board uh, of this house. He had 11 years but he only counted seven of them. Interesting. Because his first in four prison. he was in jail. Mm-hmm. And he goes, I don't really count those because I wasn't it wasn't an option for me to drink, you know? So I was just like, I have 11 years, but I really only have seven years of like sobriety. Even though he went to meetings in jail, you know, he was like, he's like, I literally, it wasn't an option for me to drink in jail. So I only count the years where I always have the option to drink. Interesting. You know, what is your, what was a defect or, not was but is what is a defect that has sort of left you that you that your higher power is removed and you are completely surprised uh that's a good question hang on while the space shuttle lands right next to us (laughs) Jesus hey buddy how are you I need to rent studio time somewhere. Christ, that was incredible. (laughs) Just a giant dump truck just drove by. Uh, A defect that that I am surprised I don't deal with as much because it's been removed. Um, Or do you feel like that any of them have? That's a good question. Uh, It's not even like like I can't think of one. I'm just thinking of like which one surprises me. Um, We're just your favorite jealousy. one. Jealousy. Mm. Yeah. Not that I don't get jealous. I mean, I'm a human yeah. being. Mm-hmm. But but, but uh, that, that was mad- that was a crippling one. Yeah. Even jealous. Not even. It doesn't even have to be like intimate jealousy. Like, oh, I can't believe she's married to this guy. Or I can't believe my ex girlfriend went on a date with this guy. Or anything. it's not that that kind of jealousy. But it can be. Mm. Um, but just like towards other people's careers, towards That's- what other people have. You know, because I just saw it as I used to see it as, and I think here's the perspective that that allowed me to remove it, or God to remove it, I should say. Um, I used to see it as what I wasn't getting. Yeah. But now I see it as, and and what they were given, mm. and now I kind of have the tendency to see it as what they have worked for. Yep. And I have not yet. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. I'm like, well, yeah, but that guy work. I mean, some of the things that I would get resentful or sh- pissed about would be no different than me being jealous that somebody was a doctor. Right. And I'm like, well, they went to medical school for eight years and you didn't finish college. Exactly. It's that insane for me to be to think of it the way I thought of it, you know. And while I would argue it's probably more intense for folks like us. Sure, of course. But. If we could, if I could put what you just said in a pill and distribute it to every comic I knew, oh, you'd I be would. rich. It'd be well, you'd rich. Be, you wouldn't be rich because comics don't have money, but you would be very ha- popular. <laughs> I'd be popular, yeah. and and folks would definitely there'd be a lot less backbiting because you hear a lot of that. Like, oh, sure. well, oh, how did he get that? And oh, it's like, she only well, got that because she's fucking so and so, or yeah, she, or even because she's a she, yeah, or yeah, yeah, exactly, or you know, it's or just a guy, like, or the opposite of that's or, true too. Yeah, and it's this weird sort of like, 
I've just I've been training myself because comedy is much newer to me than than recovery. I've just been training myself to be like, good for you, man, and give them a hug, no matter what I feel about it. Mm-hmm. Even if I have that pang of jealousy because it crops up occasionally, you know. But to just be like, fuck yeah, we're all doing this together. We're all gonna make the team. That's right. how I try to approach it. We're all gonna make this team. Yeah, 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 yeah. for sure, for sure. <laughs> so. Yeah, I think that one surprised me the most because that was a that was a that was another staple that and that one really even more than the step work, um, you know, like uh, uh, you know, humbly asking you know yeah. God to remove my defect or certain defects or all my defects or what have you, um, and some of them go away quickly as fuck, and yeah. some of them I'm like, uh, hello, I'm still experiencing this, you know, but a lot of times yeah. I have to go through <laughs> an experience. Yeah. To to know whether I still have that and need to do work around it or not. You know, yeah. and some of them some of them are gone. But that really was more through um uh working with that therapist. Yeah. You know, I kind of got you know, and going over triggers and what what triggers mm-hmm. me. And that was the thing that would always trigger me is is re- the resentment towards what I thought I deserved mm-hmm. and and jealousy over what other people had. And, uh, and then having that wherewithal to realize that it's totally an option for me. I just have to put my energy and work towards that if that's what I want, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and, and to be able to have uh, happiness for other people yeah, and be like, congratulations to them without actually saying that, but in my head, because yeah. they worked really hard and they got that. Well, yeah, and we, I think when we do interact with those people, it comes through in our actions. So sure. if there's like a pang of jealousy, that'll come through. If there's if there's like real genuine, you know, happiness for where they're at, that right. comes through as well. Sure, sure, sure. And those relationships become either weaker or stronger as a result. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, but how do you experience forgiveness, both giving and receiving? Um. Oh, that's a goddamn good question. <laughs> um, how do I experience it? Mm-hmm. I don't think I'm really good. I think I'm better at forgiving people than being forgiven. Mm-hmm. You know, I have a hard time. You know, I think I think that I'm better at, and especially if you if there, I think there needs to be an authenticity to it. Yeah. You know, I think you know I've had several times where people have made an amends to me or been like look I'm really sorry about this and that and this um, that makes it really easy for me to forgive yeah you know when, when there is that authentic like hey you know I'm sorry I said this or I'm sorry that blah 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 the hard one is when that's not an option when yeah. when, I, when it's when it's when it's good for my own health and sanity that I need to forgive somebody who hasn't apologized to me or, or probably doesn't even think they owe me one. Yeah. That's the difficult one. Yeah. You know, uh, and, you know, as corny as, and che- as cheesy as it might sound, but you always hear it and it does work because there's power to it. Uh, praying for other people. Fuck yeah, man. Being like, you know, I hope this person, you know, whatever, 
gets all the things that they want. I, you know, yeah. whatever. Mm-hmm. Not like I, I pray that this person will apologize to me. No. And God, please strike them down. You know, that's a, that's, that's a the prayer. way I used, I used to, to pray. Absolutely, hundred <laughs> percent. I'm glad you also had vengeful yeah. using God. Oh Jesus Christ! <laughs> that's that's all I had was lightning bolt God. Yes. It just unfortunately it felt like it was always aimed at me. <laughs> Ironically enough, when you pray for other people to get hit by a bus. Uh, be careful when you walk to the intersection. Right. Um, but for me, <clears throat> experiencing forgiveness is tough. You know, and a lot of these things are tough because they're so goddamn new and foreign. You know, mm-hmm. and it's and it's experiencing it is like through practice. You know, I'm currently um, on my eighth step. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm about to ex- hopefully experience a lot of forgiveness uh, once I once I get to nine. Um, because although my ninth step, my first time was much more extensive, uh, I think this time it's much more powerful. You know, the people that got hurt on my last year and a half relapse uh, were people that were extremely close to me. Yeah. Um, you know, I burned at just about every goddamn bridge that I had. And, um, you know, and a lot of that and with only a, uh, one or two exceptions, it's not monetary. Mm-hmm. It's not, uh, I crashed your car. It's none of that shit. It's like, you know, I abused our friendship. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I wasn't honest with you. You know, uh, I made you worry constantly. Yeah. You know, um, uh, and you gave, you know, it was all people that, you know, gave me an inch and I took a, a mile. Right. You know, and that's a hard one to be like, you know, my first night step was a little easier. This one's a little scarier for me because my first one was like, hey, I never paid you back that 20 bucks. And I know you've been pissed off about it for a long time. And here, you know, Easy. shit mm-hmm. like that. There's a lot money. of shit like that. Mm-hmm. You know? um, but, um, this one I think is, is going to be a lot more personal as I'm doing eight you know I'm really having a realization of how personal this one is going to be um, so um, dude I'm so excited for you <laughs> I know I am because I uh, the people that always, people always love, sober people love to say that no because when you're I, like dude you're going to fucking be a rock star right when you fucking go to prison uh, and surrender your <laughs> Surrender no. for that warrant you have. You're gonna it's love gonna jail, hurt bro. So hard. It's. He, I just. Um. I. I worked the steps again, and my sponsor. Uh, going out of a seven step, I lost a job that was my five year plan, and I was so hurt. Right. And so so resentful, and um, my sponsor said, you know, you. I want you to do. She had me do this sermon on the mount thing, and she kind of changed the language so it'd be more palatable, but for me, but then. She had me go through, and the way I pray is I write letters. So I wrote a little letter to every single person involved in that situation. And okay. then I ended up writing a letter. I realized very early on, I was doing a lot of therapy at the time, I realized in this process that in order to ask for forgiveness, I have to be forgiving myself. And so I have to release these resentments fully which meant I had to look at them with total honesty. And that process was two, three months of crying in my car after therapy because then I had to re-experience a lot of things. And it was amends I had to make to my dead parents. 
it was a men's people who cannot respond Mm-hmm. Resentments I had to release, forgiveness I had to give to people who are no longer a part of the conversation, right. including that ex-boyfriend who my initial amends to him was monetary. And uh, I'm sorry I wasn't, I don't like my behavior in this situation and I will leave you alone. And finally calling that dude up out of the blue and being like, hey, are you open to me making an amends? Right. And sitting face to face with him and having him say, I didn't like the way that you behaved when we broke up. Mm -hmm. I didn't like the way I felt in meetings with you around and to just be like, okay, okay. Yeah. I I think though, uh, um, and you know, it's a tough one for me when it comes to, uh, the girl that I dated in sobriety. Um, you know, I've had a few, uh, wonderful girlfriends after (laughs) that. Uh, one in particular, uh, who is always great and, and that's a huge amends I'll have to make to her because I leaned on her so hard um, and, and just was was anything but who I would who I want to be um, but but the girl that uh, I dated in sobriety that's an interesting one because I don't know I don't think I owe her an amends at all and that's possible too and that is possible and you know and that's but okay but you probably owe her some forgiveness but 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 that's it. But that's it. And that's and the thing. And you can't forgive yourself. You can't make the amends to yourself in that situation right. until you actually forgive her. Yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, and I'm cl- and I really am close to, to I, I don't think of it as, an, as a resentment. You know, I don't sit here and be like, oh man, I'm really resentful towards her. You know, it's, it's hurt a, though. It's a chapter. Yeah, but it, it, but it was, but it was, and I'm not by any means like upset we broke up. I'm Thank not. God up, I broke up I'm with that guy. I'm not upset that that relationship ended. Yeah, no, needed to. Uh, I'm not. I really am over. You know the mm-hmm. fact that she cheated on me. I'm fine with that. My resentment is towards how everything was handled when we were broken up. Yeah. You know some of the things that she did at post relationship. Yeah. Um, and and having forgiveness towards that. And empathy and being like, well, you were in a lot of pain. You were upset. This is how you deal with things, you know. And, and, you know, I do have a part in it. You know, my sponsor pointed out a lot of great things where he's like, because on my fourth step for that, I wrote, you know, in the fourth column, which is like, what's your part in it? I wrote nothing. Like, I literally wrote the word nothing, which naturally that's the first one he wants to read. Oh, let's go to this thing where you wrote nothing, where you have no part in anything whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was her, she cheated on me, we broke up, she did this, she did that. And he's like, okay, so you don't have a part in this. Okay, so. You started dating her how many days into sobriety? (laughs) Oh, okay. So you didn't wait a year sober to date. You decided I'm 37 days sober, I want to get a girlfriend. And when you were dating and getting to know each other, uh, did she ever mention she has a history of cheating on people? I was like, yeah. And did she ever mention that she gets freaked out in long-term relationships and she has a hard time with that? I was like, yeah. And he's like, and then what did you do? She literally told you exactly how this was going to end. <laughs> and you still chose mm-hmm. to get in a relationship with her because you thought it would be different this time. Yeah. You know, you had unrealistic expectations. She literally told you exactly what was going to happen. And that's exactly what happened. And 
now you tell me you don't, you do not have any part in that. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, that's kind of cool. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that it, feels it really, good. It, yeah, it really mm-hmm. does. Like you're like, yeah. fuck, you're totally right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, and it really removed me from being the victim. I wasn't the victim anymore. I had a humongous part in this, and and thusly, I have a part in everything I do. Dude, being a victim is the most draining character. I don't even know if it's a character defect. I feel like it's a collection of defects, but like it's the most draining state in recovery. It's oh. just, it's just, it, and that's that's what I got out about uh, of that eighth and ninth step was just really the um, the ability to be like, you know what, I'm not a victim, and wow, now I can look at it. And now I can say honestly and, and earnestly, the way I've acted has not been okay. I need to make amends. Right. And uh, I'm so excited for you. It's going to be fucking hard. I woke up one day. I uh, Here's what happened. My sponsor started taking me to the comedy store because I got so depressed. <laughs> and she would just take me and take me and take me. And then one day I woke up and I felt like I had just walked out of a swamp. Like I could see color again. Yeah. But I had to go through it all to do it. So right. I... I'm happy for you. I mean, you know, it's just, you know, one thing that I've learned in, in my multiple uh, uh, attempts at getting sober and, and staying sober and, and is that, and it really grounds me when I'm able to do this and it really makes it um, not so grandiose. It's just Tuesday, man. It's just Tuesday. And when I do that, then it's like fine. Yeah. You know, because my head goes... Dude, how? I mean, Chicago Cubs just won. How we? Fuck yeah, they did. How we? <laughs> if they win next series, and then they go to the World Series, how am I not going to drink in November? You're gonna have in the, and it's like what? <laughs> so, so now in my 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 disease creates a scenario that the Chicago Cubs win this next series, <laughs> go to the World Series. I'm at some magic place where everybody's drunk but me. And how am I? Dude, it's. You just but then when I can phone. go, it's when I can go. It's just Tuesday. Then it's fine, man. Then it's fucking completely fine. This is real time you processing because you just checked your phone. Yeah, and I looked found at my phone and I saw the Chicago Cubs, and I have like fourteen texts from all my friends in Chicago, including my mother. That's adorable. Um, okay, well, I will. I will wrap this up as soon as possible. Um, okay, so I feel like we covered my ninth question. Fuck it. Um, how do you? Uh, how do you feel on the day to day? Like, since it is it just Tuesday? It's just Tuesday. Um, it depends on the day. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, for me, like my biggest mm-hmm. thing. You know, when I was out, my biggest thing was like resent, resentments, jealousy, mm-hmm. anger, um, self hatred. Uh, probably the biggest one. Yeah, self hatred. Um, that was day. That was daily. I mean, I would, I would, you know, all my dreams weren't even cool. You know, I was, I would have dreams where I was sneakily drinking Uh, while I was actually drinking. You ever take a white chip in your dream? No. I have. I've ended up in, my dreams end in meetings. That's funny. fucked up. I can't even get a free lap. So I can't even like, yeah, I, I wasn't even having fun when I was asleep when I was out. You know, I was so fucking angry all the time. My anger and my resentment and my regret. Mm-hmm. Daily regret. God, I can't believe I fucked up so bad last night. Man, I can't believe I fucking took a hundred bucks from my girlfriend. Can't believe I did, you know, blah, blah, blah. Everything. Uh, 
And daily now, you know, at worst, I'm sc- I'm scared. It's the worst it gets. Okay. You know, I'm scared. Or I'm lonely. You know, but I can call people. You know, yeah. and there's a solution. I can yeah. call my sponsor. I can call other alcoholics. I can call my friends. I can call my sister. Be like, I'm in a lot of. I'm scared right now. You know, I'm worried about money. Yeah. Or I'm worried about, you know, whatever the fuck it is. You know, that gets that's better. the worst that it gets. Yeah. Is that I get kind of scared, mm-hmm. you know, or I get lonely. I mean, that's the worst that it gets. Yeah, lonely. Um, and the best that it gets, it's like, I'm happy. You know, am I happy every day? Fuck no. no. But I was never, ever for a minute happy when I was out. Never. Mm-hmm. You saw it on my fucking face. Mm-hmm. Like it completely changed who I was. And that's what this does to people like me. You know, I can't talk about, you know, if a lot of people in recovery listen to this, I can only talk about myself. But I was never, ever happy when I was drinking. It's interesting. It just shut, it just shut up the disease. Yeah. You know? We're always seeking happy and we, it's unrealistic. It's not an option for me. Again, I can only talk about myself. Mm-hmm. It's not an option for me when I'm out. Yeah. So it's like, but now, like day to day, you know, it's an option for me to be happy on days. Yeah. And and it's an op- an opportunity every day for me to get better. Mm-hmm. You know, in my first thirty days, I was instructed to say every day. I was to say every day I'm getting a little bit better, and emphasize little. It's beautiful. You know? Yeah. Because And that is such a simplistic thing, but it really removes my head's desire to see these gigantic strides. Mm-hmm. And it really removed expectation. Yeah. You know? It's incremental. I'm entitled. As an alcoholic, I'm entitled. I'm self-entitled. Yeah. yeah. Like, I want everything now. I want it now. So when <laughs> I get sober... I expect the whole world to suck my cock because I have 41 days of sobriety. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, so what? <laughs> You're supposed to fucking take a shower. <laughs> You're supposed to make your bed. You're supposed to get up before fucking 3 p.m. A lot of like, working in treatment is smiling at people and going, "You, yeah, it's great that you wash your dish. Yeah. Good for you. You're Good supposed to you. fucking, you know, have a place to live. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like... But certain people that are really, really close to me that know my struggle actually are like, dude, I'm fucking, you know, you look good. Yeah. And that's the one you hear a lot. Like people, if you're, especially if you're new in recovery, you, get a, you just get yourself three, four months. You'd be surprised how many people are like, what are, you, are you working out? Like, what, what are you doing? The light like you look, you look totally different. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, and you just go, well, thanks, man. I don't know. Just, Whatever. Well, I see it when we were just in that meeting. Like I said, the look on your face, the way you carry yourself is it was I wouldn't say it's night and day, but there's a difference. There's like a a softness there. Yeah. And it's going to be cool. Like when that seeps into everywhere else. Yeah. 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 Not that there's anything wrong with who you are. No, I totally hear what you're saying. But it was just a thing I noticed. I was like, I see you in defense mode usually out there in the comedy world with those sharks. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) When I go to the comedy store, I damn near have a suit of armor on. And I see everybody walking around there with a big suit of armor on. Yeah. 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 Yeah, And it's real. It's real interesting um, to see this like softer side 
Right. It's beautiful. Thank well, you for inviting me to your meeting. So I oh, can. yeah. Come, come anytime. God, it's so good. Um, okay, speaking of God. All right. God, how do you communicate with your higher power? What's your What's your thoughts on that? Um, Looking up a lot. I know that sounds crazy, but I look up a lot. Uh, I'm a huge, like, space nerd, dork. Love it. Like, I probably spend two hours a day on different websites reading about space and stars and planets and galaxies and, you know. That's cool. So, I mean, I know it's an extremely personal thing and there's no, you know, yeah. whatever your God is, yeah, is, is fine for you. But for me, it really is like, every, it's everything. It's like the universe. It's yeah. outer space. It's, it's gravity. It's, it's all of it is really my... Uh, um, what I perceive to be my God. Um, so a lot of times, and especially at night, um, just looking up, you know, yeah. it, you know, it like, it's, it's just, I don't know, just the thought that like some of these stars that we can see at night are so far away yeah. that they don't even exist anymore. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like a million years ago, they exploded. And we won't see them disappear for a million years because yeah. it takes that light that long to get here. Yeah. That the fact that like in that the converse of that, like if somebody was on another star or a planet around one of these stars and could look back on Earth right now with a telescope, that they would be looking at dinosaurs. Yeah. Because it's that far away uh-huh. and that takes that light that long to get there. That makes me feel small. And it makes my problems seem so insignificant of whether I get a Friday night spot at the ice house or not. <laughs> you yeah. know? Mm-hmm. Whether that some girl likes me or whether the girl I have a secret crush on li- likes one of my Instagram pictures or not. It doesn't fucking matter. Mm-hmm. You know? The fact that I'm resentful about something and, uh, you know, even just wanting to drink. A lot of times I can, I'll just look up, you know? And, 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 and when I do that and when I feel connected, uh, then I can have those thoughts. Then I'm open to that idea that everything's so big and open and, and, and um, the little things that cause me stress are insignificant. When I'm in that mindset, then I feel like I can hear the voice of God that's inside of me. That's great. Which is like, you'll be fine. You'll, you deserve love. I love you, you know, like the universe loves me. I love myself. In those moments, I'm able to say those things. And virtually only in those moments (laughs) am I able to say those things, you know? So, I mean, that's just, you know, God for me. I mean, I know people pray and get the same thing. I mean, I, you know, those are the, those, that's in those ways do I pray. Those ways I can look up and then pray for other people you know pray for an opportunity to help somebody you know it's beautiful other people's problems become more significant than my own Mm. in those moments Mm -hmm. you know and I think that's what's important Mm -hmm. because then I'm setting myself up to be of service yeah because I'm I'm getting outside of myself because otherwise I'll sit at a coffee shop I will smoke 23 cigarettes which is more than a pack (laughs) so I blow through an entire pack sitting at a coffee shop I'll have seven coffees and I'll think about how things aren't going to work for me. Jeez. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh-huh. So it's kind of okay. like, that's 
feeding my disease. Even yeah. though I'm not drinking, I'm doing exactly what it wants me to do. Oh, yeah. But I can go to a meeting. I can talk to other people. I can talk to other alcoholics. I can share my experience, strength, hope, even in something like this podcast. And, you know, a lot of times I can look up and think about how small we all are and what a small opportunity we have to rent this weird spacesuit for 77 years <laughs> and, and, and move our consciousness around. And for me to get self-involved with an opportunity like that seems pretty fucking stupid to me when I think about it that way. And that. for me to move this, my spacesuit around and maybe help somebody else whose spacesuit is as broken as mine was, uh, is pretty powerful. That's awesome. And you'd mentioned this, uh, you just mentioned it, you mentioned it way back in the beginning that you've always been this guy who wants to help others. I see you as like a service-oriented person. I, mean, I haven't been in years, but I mean, that's inside of me. Yeah. You know, and it always has been. It was before I was a drinker. What are, what are some ways that you wish to be of service that you haven't had the opportunity to do yet? I have this new like fantasy of helping homeless people. As somebody who's like in my drinking has fucking virtually survived off of the kindness of strangers. Yeah. Couch surfing, mm -hmm. living in other people's places, eating other people's foods, mm -hmm. showering in other people's places. And I know the stress of that day to day. Where the fuck am I going to sleep tonight? Mm -hmm. um, because I only had one priority, which was getting fucked up. Yep. Um, I know how difficult that life is. I actually, I don't. You know, I never had to sleep on the street. I never had to sleep in a tent. I never had to do all those things. I never had to beg for food. Um, I romanticize that. I believe that's one way I wouldn't mind being of service. Um, but for right now in my life, um, helping other alcoholics. Okay. Stay sober, get sober. Sponsoring? Uh, once I'm done... With the steps, yeah. Uh, once I'm done, completely done with the steps. I mean, I've done them before and I've sponsored before, but I just want to do things different this time. Mm -hmm. um, but sponsoring people, but just, you know, giving newcomers my number. Yeah. And be like, dude, call me. Yeah. Like, call me every day. I'm not your sponsor, but call me every day. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, you don't have to sponsor somebody to check up on them every day. And if they ask me a question uh, that I don't think is appropriate for me to answer because I'm not their sponsor, I can tell them that. Yeah. I'm like this is that's a question more for your sponsor. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Because I'm not your sponsor. You have good boundaries, man. Uh, that's one thing I'm really working on too is boundaries. Mm-hmm. You know, it's also why I kind of just don't want to be in a relationship yet. <laughs> like, you know, because I, I have so you. many other things that because you're getting a person that is at sixty seven percent. Yeah. You know? Mm -hmm. Granted, uh twelve months ago I was three percent alive. You know, now I'm 60-something percent alive, mm. you know? So it's like, but, but as a fucking alcoholic, I expect somebody to give me 100% and always be honest and always be faithful and always be kind and have all the money and be the care provider. And what I will give you in return is 63% of that. <laughs> right. That's what I've always done. And, and I don't fuck care you for not acknowledging that. And I and I and I and, I, and like I said I don't want to do that anymore. You know. That's, so it's, you know. That's amazing. You're amazing. Thank you so much for this conversation, Thank Jason. Thank you for this conversation. This is going to be great. I will uh 
I'll let you know when it's going to air. It's awesome. Your, your well, thank you for five, having me. Go, so. And go Chicago Cubs. Go Chicago Cubs. I, if this airs after they win the World Series, then... Uh, then drinks are on me. <laughs> Red Bulls all around. Uh, you're the best, Jason. Thank I love you. you. Thank you so much for having me. Love you me. too. Bye.